Hello and welcome to So What You're Saying Is, I'm Peter Whitlaw. Now my guest today is the author and journalist Ed West. Ed has written for numerous publications, The Times, The Telegraph, he's a regular at The Spectator, he's currently the deputy editor of Unheard, and he's also an author. He wrote a book a few years ago called The Diversity Illusion, What We Got Wrong About Immigration and How to Set It Right. His new book is called Small Men on the Wrong Side of History, The Decline, Fall and Unlikely Return of Conservatism. Um, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having very me, much. Thank you. Um, the, the title is actually a quote uh, from Obama, yeah, isn't yeah. it, about... Al-Qaeda. About Al-Qaeda. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so... Um, <laughs> but w how does it chime with your book then? What is it, who are the small men? Well, this, the reference was to... Basically, the overview of the book is that conservatives, even though they do tend to win elections, have sort of lost every political and cultural argument for the last few decades, and this is a sort of series of defeats going back um, about 50 or 60 years. I mean, the small men in the wrong side history... It, the, I, the quote got me because of this basic idea that progressivism has, which is that we're moving towards you know, a future where they're going to win and everything's going to turn out their way. And um, they often say that people who disagree with them are on the wrong side of history, you know, and in the future you're going to be seen as losers and bigots and there'll be films about how you guys are the baddies and that's how conservatives are cast. And that's a sort of idea that can progressivism gets from Christianity, which is, I mean, one of the themes of the books, and it's not a particularly original thought, is that the left is basically a heresy of Christianity, and that's where their ideas come from, and they're continuing that. And as Christianity has declined, that's the pr pretty much the main reason why the left has become so much more dominant, because it's become a sort of default religion for most people, especially well, university-educated people, anyway. And, and, and you're saying, as well in the book, are you not, that uh, basically it's not going to change. I mean, that's the, f you know, the, the, it, it's, it, to begin with at least, it's quite a sort of pessimistic it's very outlook. <laughs> I'm quite a pessimistic person. <laughs> um, it's, yes, there is at the end, well, because the problem is with the, one of the pro many problems with the modern media is that everyone thinks they're losing, right? So everyone watches the news and thinks, and there's studies of this even the other day where both Democrats and Republicans by quite wide margins think they're losing everything. Um, so there is signs of conservatives coming back. I mean, the Brexit and Trump were signs where conservatives actually won arguments, small C conservatives. And so obviously liberals and progressives in the media think, oh, well, how can you say, you know, you're losing, you're doing really well. So well, this is a sort of, in many ways, it's almost like a last gasp because on both those counts, the demography is against the conservatives. You know, Brexit voters tend to be older, same with Trump voters. Amongst younger Americans, they are, they are much more um, progressive than the older ones and they're much less religious but there is a, the, also the counter thing where identity politics is repulsing a lot of people as well um, amongst young white Americans uh, they seem to be moving to Republicans only amongst men for, some, uh, for various reasons at the moment and that's in reaction to just the sort of sort of I guess overshoot of progressive politics it's become too obsessed with identity it's become basically like a religion and a lot of people are so that's when I say the unlikely return of conservatism. That's my sort of small mo note of optimism at the yeah, end. So the, the, the basically people just simply get fed up and rebel against this? Yeah, I think it's a little bit. I mean, because once uh, young people especially liked being countercultural. So, I mean, I'm a bit reluctant saying that conservatives like countercultural, but they are in certain ways in that, you know, after everyone in the arts likes to think they're rebelling against this, you know, this powerful 
patriarchy or this sort of elite they're against, but you know, it's no denying that the arts in Britain are left dominated. You can't say anything that's too left wing that's going to shock anyone. It's just, but people still hang on to this um, construction. And likewise with comedy. And the reason comedy has become quite tiresome is because people, there's nothing really to make a joke about. There's nothing to, to be alternative about because, you know, most comedies now is people laughing, comedians laughing at people further down the social scale than yes, them, you know, yeah. the gammons. I mean, this is kind of... Yeah. Uh, thing punching came, down, I think. Is yeah, the, I mean, they yeah. say, oh, we're punching up. Say, but not really, because I go to comedy clubs. I mean, all my favourite comedians are basically centre-left. Um, although I did see, you know, your guy, Constantine, with the other, he was pretty funny. Um, but, you know, I'll go to a comedy club, and it's just a comedian talking to other sort of university-educated centre-left people about how stupid lower-middle-class people in the Midlands are. I mean, that's the underlying message. So that's not really, you know, that's not really rebellion. So yeah. naturally, amongst certain... Uh, younger people, there is a sort of rejection of that. And so where are they going to go? I mean, inevitably, the, the, they go to whatever's anti that. I mean, whether you call it right wing, I'm not entirely sure. But well, The thing is, is you, you mentioned the answer. There was, uh, you know, the arts being left wing. There's actually been a report out uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, it was in the Times, it was, which not only sort of proved this to be true, something we know to be true, but that, in fact, it's become incredibly... Um, restricted right, and yeah. people actually being shut down, as it were, you know, if they voted Brexit or if oh, they've yeah, got course, any yeah. views on transgenderism. This, this came out, and I think the Rich, Richard Morrison wrote a piece in the Times, he's the arts editor for the Times, saying basically, you know, this is a problem in the left. Sure. Uh, I mean, the, the survey said one in six people in the arts said they can't say, I assume a large amount of that is to do with the transgender issue because there's no mm. way one in six people are right wing yeah. in the arts. It's going to be much lower than that. I think it's I mean, like 4% of artists voted Brexit. Uh, and so this comes down to, you know, one of the problems you get there is the viewpoint diversity thing, which is a kind of contended issue. But if you look at the universities in the 60s, in both Britain and America, there was a sort of left-wing dominance because liberal-minded people tend to be higher in openness, the personality trait, which correlates with artistic ability. So the art is always going to be slightly left dominated and that's mm, fine. Mm. Uh, so the universities were like three to one, two to one, so about a, th a third of people voted either conservative over here or Republican. I mean now in the States it's something, it's in the region of 15 to one in certain fields, so 50 to one in some. In Britain about nine to ten percent of university professors now vote conservative and they're going to be much older on average and, and the ones coming through none of them are going to be. And so there is the point about on the basic front is that in any area where you don't have viewpoint diversity the quality is going to be worse i mean there have been studies on wikipedia pages when they're the, yeah. when they're made by people with two different political views the quality is much better because they yeah they sort of yeah. test each other but also you just get to the point where our university is basically returning to their original function which was religious organization all universities started off as religious um you know church oxford and cambridge church of england it wasn't until the 1830s we had a university here that you didn't have to be Anglican to go to. In the States, all the different universities were started by churches. So the idea that you can go to university and, and have three thought is quite a novel one and kind of against our nature because mm. I, I think in a certain sense, you know, humans don't like disagreement. Mm. It's, it's something we have to like discipline ourselves to, to mm. make ourselves put up with it. Mm. So unless we make an effort to have that viewpoint diversity, then inevitably these, these institutions will become not just um, biased, but they also become political issues as well. Yeah. You know, the, the right will dislike them and the left will side with them. And that's also happening in the States where more, far more Republicans now think universities are a bad thing, which is an unusual, unprecedented thing. 
You mentioned actually in the, in the book, that, or you made the comparison that what's happened with conservatism, and I, by that I'm distinct from the Tory party. Yeah, I mean, the Tory party doing quite well, so, which right. is bad for my yes, book. Exactly. <laughs> right. But what you say is that this is not unlike the Reformation, right. maybe. I mean, if you could explain that a bit. I, you know, I think I know what you mean, but that essentially it's a generational change. Right, so, you know, Europe has had... I make two comparisons historically. One is the Christian takeover of Rome. And I'm, when I'm talking about these historical comparisons, I'm not making direct comparisons because I think mm. they're quite uh, difficult in history, but they're sort of analogies to explain uh, our current situation. So with the Reformation, a sort of moral revolution took part, um, took place. Certain people believed in this new system. So Protestantism, which had variations uh, across Europe, which was quite revolutionary, overthrowing the authorities, making new authorities, uh, turning back on certain old established um, views, you know, celibacy and transubstantiation. But um, certain people held on to these. And so across Europe, you had this kind of division, which is suddenly new. Uh, and then these pam it was a lot of it to do with pamphlets. There were these pamphlet wars attacking the other side. And it became more and more bitter uh, as people's identity became strongly attached to Catholic and Protestant, which were new identities. Uh, I think, especially since the Brexit vote, um, you know, we've seen Remain and Leave identities become much, much stronger than Tory and Labour voters. I mean, people, by any measurement, are much more likely to strongly remain, especially Remain, funnily enough, they, they have a much stronger group identity. Um, Why is that, do you think? Uh, I don't know. I suppose it's because, I mean, my, I think a, a certain type of person after below a certain age in Britain and across the West, they see their membership of being a sort of educated, liberal-minded, uh, a sort of worldwide mm. group that you know they they have more in common with someone who's a liberal in Germany than they will their neighbour who's mm. a conservative and didn't go to university. Uh, and I think it's the maybe it's the lack of awareness that this is actually an identity. Because they're supposed to be beyond identity. Because nationalism is a bad thing. Because nationalism killed seventy million people in two wars. Um, but I think the lack of awareness means that people don't realise that actually this is a new identity, and it's mm. actually much closer to, you know, the Reformation era religious identities, where, where Protestant in England would go and fight with Protestants in Holland or Germany against Catholic, against Catholic English people, because that identity was much stronger than national identity. Mm. So you know, people can adopt these things. Mm. Um, so then political identity becomes now the replacement for national identity. Right. So in, in America, America is far ahead of us, but we've caught up quite quickly, which makes me slightly pessimistic because the Republican and Democrat identity in America is now so strong and their hostility towards the other group. Polls, you know, showing people they want a member of the other party marrying into their family. Yeah, yeah. You know, all these kind of things. They think the other, the other party are less evolved. They think they've haven't got mm. the country's interest, they're a danger to the country. Mm. And there are all these indices of um, you know, the political warmth and political coldness, how do you rate your own party, how do you rate the other party? Mm. Democrats and Republicans don't like the, their own party any more than they did 30 years ago. Mm. But their hostilities towards the others has gone up so much. Mm. And I do think this, this kind of ideology, this tribalism is so much in us that we can allow politics to take the role that religion or, or national identity once did. Yeah. This is actually quite a personal book, isn't it? Right, I yes, mean, yeah. get, Memoir is, is pitching it a bit strong. Yeah, but, but it's But essentially, right, you, yeah. your own experience sort of goes through the whole, whole thing. I mean, when... Did you 
become a conservative or were you I mean you know there's this idea of Jonathan Haidt's idea that somehow there is this conservative mind and there is a a left-wing mind I'm very skeptical about that but do you were you born were you born would you call yourself (laughs) right-wing or conservative or what I think both are probably fair enough Um, were you born that way or did you or was it it conditioning I I mentioned a lot of what you know I mentioned what the psychology world says about this and it's and I do try to step back a bit, partly because a lot of psychological findings turn out to be nonsense and yeah. that's how they crumble in it. But, but well, I'm not a psychologist, but I said there is an argument that, uh, right, so conservatism is a political philosophy, but it's also a sort, of, a sort of state of mind as well. So conservatives do tend to have these personality traits, more conscientious. I was going to say, what, what do you think they are? What are the basic traits then? So the, the main thing is that the five, you know, the five big personality traits, um, there are two where there are differences in liberal, liberals, conservative. Liberals tend to be more higher on openness, which means they try new things. You know, liberals in America, for example, there's a study last week, they're sort of six times more likely to try cannabis than conservatives. Right. Um, they're more like open-minded, they're more likely to go traveling, they're more likely to do all these things and find out about the world. Um, conservatives tend to be more conscientious, so they'll turn up on time to stuff like that. Notice I was early today, that was, that was my, I, I hate being late for that <laughs> stuff, right? Uh, the other three, tra- the other three traits: um, extroversion, neurosis, agreeability. They don't tend to neurosis. Yeah. So really? I think I think there is some Green Party voters are the most neurotic, but I don't. <laughs> but I don't think there's a huge uh, left wing divide on that or right wing right. divide. So there is. So anyway. So neurosis, yeah, so and you mentioned also there's agree agreeableness. Agreeability. Right. So yeah. what, how would that? How would you illustrate that? How uh, I, I mean this what? is. This, I mean, these are just what the, psych, the world right. of psychology said. This is the five personality traits they measure, and it, they do various tests on people. Does, so. but, but I'm trying to. What I'm saying is, are they are they sort of? Uh, does that mean that conservatives are more agreeable people? Or oh, no, conservative liberals are about the same on agreeable levels, right? So, oh, right. it's okay. just the two. It's just um, openness and conscientiousness, where there is some. Right. There is a consistent. Like for example, you can tell someone's um, political with a quite high accuracy just looking at a desk. If someone's really? got a really neat. Uh, desk, they're much more likely to be uh, right wing than if someone's got right. a mess desk. So, I mean, not a huge accuracy, but more than 50%. So, there are, you can tell a certain, you know, it's like the odd couple, you could, in yeah, that film, yeah, you could yeah, probably yeah. one of them is going to be Republican, one Democrat, right? Um, so, I've partly, I mentioned the memoir, but because I, I think it's like jaded about politics and I find reading political arguments after a bit tiring. So, I just wanted to make it a bit of a personal story to make it you know a bit lighter but also I, I sort of pers- wanted to have a bit of understand why I was never a liberal because I, I, I wasn't one of these cool people who I really envy who are liberal and you know and when they're young and then become conservative that's the right way right so that's like right. the Christopher Hitchens okay. of this world you know sort of mm. um, and, you know they're sort of like the ex-smokers aren't they so, you know do it when you're young and yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. grow up um, so I was never I was always quite conservative right I never really saw the appeal of um, liberalism as Did an you, idea. I mean, for example, uh, sort of useful adolescent rebellion, right, against the parents or against authority or whatever. Quite often I feel that some on the left have sort of never left that behind. Right, okay, right? yeah, I think that's, there's but, certain truth in that, yeah. But, di- but did, you, did you sort of rebel? No, my parents are incredibly so, lax and easy going. You know, my mum used to buy me fags <laughs> when she went on a holiday when I was a teenager. <laughs> Um, I just had nothing to rebel against in that sense. I, mean, right. I did go to a very strict comprehensive school, though. I think that had a. I do mention right. you know that in the book because I think that had a big sort of psychological effect to me because I came to think, well, 
actually authority is quite protective because if, if there wasn't for this authority of this school, mm. lots of the comprehensive at the time, 90s, were just crumbling sort of, they were dystopian, you know, yeah. post-hellish places where the kids were throwing stones at the teachers. And our school was incredibly well run and loads of people got really good results. And it was thanks to the, the headmaster uh, and his kind of 1980, you know, 1990s, his Mayor Giuliani style, yes. zero tolerance policy. And I think that probably um, influenced my politics. I think that's quite a good thing, isn't it, right? Yes. I mean, I suppose the point really is, is I, mean, I, I remember growing up not feeling hugely rebellious, no. not in that way anyway. Um, but I suppose as well, freedom, you know, is not about chaos necessarily, is it? Freedom, you could justify by saying that freedom right. is in your head, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's basically how much you have in your head. And I suppose, I suppose it's about testing boundaries as well, yes, isn't it, right? Yes. So that's, that's, because um, chaos ultimately, there's no, there's not much fun in chaos. Well, we're sounding yeah. remarkably like Jordan Peterson here, aren't we? I right. mean, this, this is where, this is where, what obviously he talks about. What about your own life then? I mean, do you, for example, being a conservative, have you felt like a leper, social leper? I mean, have you felt that you are, you know, the man on the outside in your I own do, I, social life? A little, a little bit. I do live in a very remainery part of London as well. Uh, I managed to find one other Brexit voter amongst in the area. Mm -hmm. After about three or four years, we uh, finally worked out. Um, yeah, I, I mean, there are loads of, I mean, partly I, I started to write in this book. Uh, it was actually after reading The Righteous Minds, I thought that was a very, that sort of inspired me to think, uh, you know, why do I get annoyed about people who I think are just wrong about politics and mm. I think we shouldn't, mm. there's no point getting annoyed because they just think differently. But I'm just so used to these social situations where people will, will be in a social setting and they don't really know me and they don't know in politics and people will just naturally assume, like, hey, what about those conservatives, those idiots yeah. and everything? And I would just keep my mouth shut normally. And it's quite a normal thing and I think, um, if you're a certain age and, and in certain circles in London, that's just sort of the thing, right? You're going to be the only conservative. There might be one other guy who's secretly conservative as well, but uh, they they keep their mouth shut as well. So I sort of get the impression slightly that you almost wish you weren't conservative. I wonder that about that. Yeah, if I could take a magic pill, I think <laughs> why? Because life would be easier, or what? I think it would be. I think there's definitely some stress um, in having an unpopular opinion mm, mm. Um, and having a minority opinion. No one likes to be unpopular. Um, I mean, this is what one reason I think Taleb's um, point about journalists being very conformist people and very uh, not very sort of thinking outside the box people in politics. And, and you know, it comes to the thing where journalist is very, journalism is very left wing because I think, you know, journalists want to be popular, right? So they always want to see, I want to have the popular opinion, the high status mm -hmm. opinion that everyone's going to value me for. Um, so the, if you are quite conservative, the the only option is to kind of go down the road of becoming like the ogre. And there's obviously a market for that, and you can become an ogre, but um, mm. I mean, personally, I didn't really want to be an ogre. Didn't you nearly work for Bright Park? Right, yeah, so I did come to that. So right. I, yeah, I interviewed by Steve Bannon, um, yeah, before, I've never even heard of him. And he just said, it was like 2014, and he was just shouting mm. down the phone a lot, a lot, very, very, just never stopped talking. And um, it was a very well-paid job, and I, but you just kept saying, "Well, Ed, you know, we're going to put our own guy. We're going to overthrow the Republican Party, and we're going to put our own guy in the White House. We're going to have our own nationalist guy from outside the deadwood of the mm -hmm. Republican elite." And it's 2014. I thought, "What is this guy on about? He'll never get some mm -hmm. complete outsider who no one's, you know, mm -hmm. no one's ever heard of into the White House." And then, yeah, hey, presto. Yeah, so I was completely <laughs> wrong. But no, I, I turned it down because I just thought. 
Um, there's through James Delenpal, who I like a lot, who I think is a really good writer. But you know, with, uh, with once mainstream journalism becomes this kind of group thinky thing, mm. uh, the only alternative amongst sort of alternative conservative media is to become much more sensationalist. Mm. And that's the only sort of way to sort of get attention, to, mm. you know. And I just didn't really want to be part of that. I think that's, um, I found that morally troubling a little bit. So yeah, I turned that down. But yeah, that, that was part of my journey. You you also say in the book, actually, you know, it's quite strong, actually. You say that uh, conservatism, small c, conservative oh. views or instincts are actually sort of considered quite repellent uh, to, to many people. That's really very, very strong, isn't it? I mean... Oh, yeah, but I think it's true, though. I mean, I'm always surprised by... Um, uh, well, firstly, I think a lot of people... Uh, w people are repelled by what they don't know. And mm -hmm. so once people enter these social circles, and I think this is quite a new thing, because they were mixed, more mixed, 20 years ago, uh, where they just don't meet anyone who's conservative. And they don't, the ideas are even... Um, <clears throat> so alien to them. And then when they hear them, they're just like, "Hold on a minute, you mm, what? Mm. You think, you know, you think people should be restricted from coming to this country because mm. they're, you know, not from this country or something? You know, all this uh, mm. even kind of basic stuff mm. becomes repellent. Mm. And I think that is basically because they don't meet meet that many. Well, uh, we recently did a show with uh, young people who are on the right, you know, right. who are coming up. Yeah, yeah. And um, basically, they sort of, I felt they'd slipped through the net almost. Right, you know? okay. But what they related, I mean, was it just that everybody, in terms of education around them, was entirely left wing. Right, yeah, yeah. So that this is a change, isn't it? That yeah, yeah. It's you're saying much, that people. It's much more. And that people extreme. are not going on to change their views. Your friends, for example, your own friends are around your age. Yeah, they're not. They're and I think that's a, a social thing because they don't, once they don't meet any conservatives, that even if they do have slight inclination, especially once they sort of settle down, um, they don't identify as conservative, certainly. And they um, sort of keep conservative ideas at arm's length because they just don't meet anyone socially. So there's mm. no way for those, you know, I think ideas and politics are transmitted mm. on a sort of one-to-one -one, mm. um, basis, much mm. more than, most people don't get their ideas from reading um, a political tract. It was either friends of theirs, people they trust, um, people they look up to. Uh, social proof, I think, happens much more. That's why I think culture is much more important. I mean, that's why, mm. you know, what you do is, is so important. I think you are on the wrong tr right track about this I all think the we time. Were we were, we were, we You're were ahead of the curve. The time, yeah. No, because exactly, because <laughs> it doesn't matter how many, um, you know, political arguments you can make in a, yeah, in a dry yeah. textbook, if the mm. cultural values are the ones that transmit. And mm. people remember films, they remember books. And those are now, you know, much more on the left than they used to be. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's a problem mm. for us, basically. You wrote, as I mentioned in the introduction, a book yeah. called The Diversity yeah. Illusion a, a while ago. That was actually pretty much before its time, I right. think, wasn't it? Um, I got the impression it was sort of, you know, it was rather, it was neglected, uh, sort of ignored. Is that I think so. I mean, every author thinks that about their no. books, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was reviewed, but it was, an ex it was actually quite a hard-hitting book, wasn't it, about? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's not my career much good. Uh, I mean, that, again, that was, like, I was 35 when that came out. I was really 33 when I wrote it. And amongst, I mean, most of my social network were just thinking, oh, great, yeah, immigration, diversity, brilliant. And I think I was probably very unusual in thinking, I don't think this is like a very good idea, what we're doing, you know, where does this end? What's, mm. What are the cost benefits? Uh, you know, why, why make all these risks? And I think that obviously that's my 
conservative instinct. You know, I think if mm -hmm. you're going to make a radical change, most likely that radical change is going to be a bad thing. You know, small yeah. changes are usually fine. But, um, but it yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's got some, uh, it's got various good, you know, nice quotes from people down the years and, mm. uh, uh, but yes, it, it's. Um, it was quite a brave book, actually. I think. At the I time. Know, I, yeah. It was actually looking at the whole thing of diversity as well, which yeah. I'd say. I mean, you read this what six years, seven years ago. Yeah. Um, I would say that diversity now is almost. It's becomes such a thing. It's almost like a fetish. It's. it's yeah, yeah. It is just there all the time in every part of life. You know, this is being pushed. Diversity right, is yeah, yeah. our strength. So and, and now project back to the histories. And yes, exactly. Very strange. Yeah, I find it very strange. But I mean, I think, uh, I mean, I suppose you say the argument's ahead of its time, but I think maybe the dials even move further. So, I mean, maybe in, people will read that in five years' time who are in their 20s or just think, wow, this guy's like, insane. Um, mm -hmm. even, even more so than usual. Because mm -hmm. the argument suggests uh, dying out. I mean, my, I mean, my, I suppose my problem with diversity is that once you make diversity like a good in itself, there is no end point, right? Mm -hmm. So there's always more diversity because you can't have any immigration restrictions that reduce diversity, mm -hmm. and you can't say anything, you can't do anything that will reduce diversity. It will always go up and up and up. And what, at what point do you say, okay, enough? Like mm -hmm. there is no end point, and no one's really thought that f um, through as a sort of yeah. as a future. So I mean, like if it's like that now, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, I was thinking about the other day there was a. I think back in the in the goodness gracious me the the, sick, the sketch show in the early twin. Now I might have misinterpreted, but they have a a sketch where it's the Great Escape and and they're making a film and there's uh, Asian guys in the Great Escape, and <laughs> and this is not to do with 1917 because I think um, 1917 there were Sikh soldiers and mm. that's fine. So that was that's not a mm -hmm. good point. But I just wonder. Will future generations even understand that joke about like yeah, 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 uh, yeah. sort of making something that's historically inaccurate, anachronistic yeah. for the sake of diversity? Because now it's just sort of screened um, as a sort of part of our national story. I find it very strange, a very strange thing. Well, it is sort of, uh, I mean, I think the BBC uh, this week talked about repurposing yeah. classics. I mean, this Orwellian word, repurposing. I didn't even know there was Why don't they just, uh, you know, produce new, Stories. Yes. I mean, there are lots of writers out there who would yes. love to write something. Yes, it is. And, you know, you can make, um, I mean, it's been done, to, you know, make a, an Austin novel but set in the modern age, the same storyline that's been done before. It's not a huge so, thing, but it's, it's, yeah, you're right. It's sort of retconning history. It's very strange. You're, you're saying, or it seemed that you were saying there that the, the, basically the book, Div The Diversity Illusion, this, this, the arguments in this are you know, will seem very old-fashioned in five years, you said it may uh, Yeah, maybe, maybe because we you lose, know, you know, the argument's been lost already, so, you know, the generational thing. But in the new book, you do see chinks of light, right? Yeah, I don't know if they're chinks of light. Or I don't is that just what, you want to appear optimistic <laughs> or what? Um, I do think, I mean, cons there will always be, a, you know, polls in, in politics, so whatever's the establishment, there'll be something against that. And I think once... Uh, once conservatism starts, f so conservatism, one of the key points of it is institutions, right? So we believe in institutions, it's, you know, monarchy is a great example, the law courts, parliament, mm -hmm. even mm -hmm. BBC, as much as mm -hmm. we have our disagreements with it. These are all institutions and all the, you know, the little platoons, all these tiny things. But once they become these institutions inherently dominated by progressives, as they almost all have, then conservatism becomes sort of unraveled and it becomes a bit more I suppose revolutionary yeah, and yeah. it becomes so 
all these, a lot of the sort of Trump followers, um, both in his administration and his supporters, are sort of anarchic, really. They want to sort of mm. blow things up a little bit. They're, mm. they're radical conservatives. And a lot of that makes me feel uncomfortable. We get a little, I mean, populism in the continent is, is a bit like that. And um, I think that has a slightly nastier edge to it. And it's a bit unconstrained, that's the thing. It's a bit, bit deinstitutionalized. So I do worry that what, what is going to come in in succession on the rights to you know mainstream conservatism. Would you therefore class someone like Dominic Cummings as being in that category? I mean, he's not, but you know, he doesn't like institutions. He wants to change them all. Uh, you know, he's, I, but he he's on the right. Is he? he not I mean, he's. What? I think he's he's essentially right, isn't he? I, mean, I would mm, say his mm, his analysis of mm, institutions. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he wants to shake them up, and he wants to. Um, I get the impression he wants to sort of you know do the march to the institutions but backwards right mm, so mm. and no one's ever really tried this we've had 10 years in of Tory MPs in in Downing Street and I mean there's almost no institutions or department which is not overwhelmingly dominated by non-conservatives I mean I mentioned my book they've yeah you know how many conservatives were appointed to panels or organization I think of Roger Scruton they sacked him after a, like a hatchet yeah, job yeah, yeah, yeah. like in comparison all these bodies are entirely dominated by sort of Labour supporting mm. appointees mm. Uh, and I just think maybe I think Dominic Cummings is a sign of in the future maybe people on the right say well we should do that as well mm. and uh, you know I hesitate to think it's a good idea because I think it's just going to get really it could get a bit nasty the whole thing but then if, if one side of you know a political debate or doing something the other side are inevitably going to do it aren't they Isn't I suppose it? one way would be to build your own institutions that's right so that's thing. yeah so that's one thing that's happening in the states in yes. the, with some of the universities yeah. they're building their own mm. I mean the problem is we already have that with a sort of example of that in the media in the states and it's just not a very uh, not very attractive prospect sort of mm. a Fox News dominated I mean this is why I'm very skeptical of the idea even um, privatizing or defunding the BBC because I just think they'll what replaces it will be more like CNN which is much more politically repellent I think the BBC is has quite a lot of controls and I mean it's inevitably going to be quite center-left because that's the establishment voice and the BBC is always the establishment voice but it does have control it does try to be restrained while I think a private version of BBC would just be it would just be basically catering to the self-regard of you know the sort of metropolitan urban ed educated people just the way CNN does and it's just garbage. Although the prop, the need to keep going without a license fee could change that. I mean, you know, this is the whole point. If you don't, if right. you get rid of the license fee, then you're not protected. In, yeah, in but I mean, they, they, they can easily, they're like easily, I reckon amongst young people, 30 or 40% of the population who would ingest mm. like Buzzfeed style garbage mm. on their television. Mm. And so you would just have that instead. And they'd probably be like a Fox News equivalent. And then, mm. I think that might be your dislike of Fox might be the gentleness of conservatism. Right. Out. Yeah. So that's, that this is it? again where I think of myself a small man on the wrong side of history because I think of that gentleness and conservatism might be like obsolete. It might, it might not function anymore. That kind of old, you know, oh, that's all, you know, just act like we're in a club. I, don't, I think that might be on the way out. So. Well, I should say, you know, before we sign off, the you know the book is it's not you know it's actually it's very amusing and it's Thank not you. full of doom, is it? So no, I mean, no, no, it's fine. It's, we, it's, we, it's, we, we shouldn't be not. doom. We shouldn't be doom laden. Yeah. It's small men on the wrong side of history again. This is it. You can get it on on Amazon, and um, yeah, it's a it's a great read. I'm sure it will resonate with many many of you watching. Um, 
Thank you very much, sir, Thank for you, coming in. Thanks very much. Uh, that's it for now. Uh, please do, as I always say every week, please do subscribe, won't you? And uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you.